the 4 o'clock football frenzy on Cofield and Company. Rolling into the second hour of Cofield and Company, John Von Tobel is the company. Miles Simmons coming up. Miles, NFL insider, and maybe today we find out more about him being a TV insider. He had a, he had a lot of good TV tweets, and I will point out that there was a major award show the other day, the MTV Awards. A mm-hmm. um, lot of controversy. Although, maybe the actress that I would invite to a wedding, like you, we were just talking about Mickey and Minnie getting, uh, or Disney getting like $6,000 for an appearance at a wedding by Mickey and Minnie, uh, Sydney Sweeney might be invited to my wedding. Well, if we're going down that route, like I was telling Isabel the other day, um, like Which when is I was pretty sick on my part, right? So I was going to go a little bit more appropriate. When I was younger, I had a big a little thing. more appropriate. Um, Rosario Dawson. So okay, you, could, you you throw me in that camp. All right. Well, I mean, I, today I mentioned Jane Fonda on one end, Sydney Sweeney on the other. She's on one end of the spectrum of youth for sure. Uh, yes, um, <laughs> younger than if I had a daughter at the same age you had kids. She'd be she would be young for for, for me as a daughter. I should have oh, daughters in their late twenties. Photos you were referencing. Um, yeah, it was good stuff. It was good stuff. All right, crunch, crunch, please. Get me the hell out of this. Okay, I'm not going to panic. I'm not going to panic, and you know everything can be regulated. I think again, I'm not a doctor, but uh, reports that Traylon Burks, the new Titans receiver from Arkansas, has struggled a bit in practice. And it turns out Rob Moore, the uh, former Jets receiver, now the Titans wide receiver coach, uh, talking about Burks and his struggles. He said it's uh, he's got asthma, which, you know, for Las Vegans, if you followed UNLV back in the day, you kind of saw what happened with Anthony Bennett in terms of gas tank when he was here. Like, did he have asthma? Did he not? So am I jumping the gun here? What do you think? No, not at all. I mean, how can you see this coming if you're a team? You don't get to do medical That's, evaluations you know before what? you draft them. But that was the same thing we said back when the Cavs took Anthony Bennett number one. Like, wait, how did this slip through? Right. And like, and like when, when I hear, I think, what was the quote? It was like, uh, it's unfortunate what happened. He's got asthma. Like, did it just, like, pop up? Did, did he walk into Tennessee and was like, oh, by the way, like, it's just got some restricted breathing. I don't know where this came from. You kind of saw was, it coming. And then a ton of people chimed in with, all-time athletes that have asthma, and I don't have this verified. They're just commenters, but someone saying that Emmett Smith, Dennis Rodman, Jerome Bettis, Jackie Joyner-Kersey all had asthma. The list goes on. So I'll just I'll, I'll just tell you this with Burks, and again, I don't want to be right on this. I I didn't mind the Titans trading AJ Brown if they were going to have to pay him twenty five million dollars a year, which is the extension that he got with the Eagles. I think there was a middle ground that he may have agreed to. Um, what I don't buy into is that Traylon Burks is an immediate replacement and a guaranteed replacement to be the next A.J. Brown. He's one of those guys who makes me nervous from a body type standpoint at 6'2", 225. There's those tweeners, you know, and why am I blanking on his name now? Who was the Patriots receiver who was drafted at Arizona State? Uh, Nikhil Harry? Yeah, Nikhil Harry, who's a big guy. And there's those tweeners where you're like, and at 6'2", he's not a tight end, but, you know, they – like they have the potential where they won't be able to control their weight and they're more like an H-back or a tight end. Like I don't know that I want to count on 6'2", 225 to be my number one receiver. Or um, and, and his name escapes me as well, but the big guy to Florida State that was with the Carolina Panthers for a while, right? Um, oh, who they drafted. Yep, yep. who just who could not keep his weight down. And at one point, I think the last time he reported to an NFL camp, he showed up at the Bills at 260 pounds. Right, so... 
No, you're right. And, and like, I think the, the troublesome part about something like this is when a lot of people who are much smarter than I um, that know uh, about football valuation and everything, Calvin Benjamin, by the way, is the name of the wide receiver we're talking about for the Panthers. Um, Ooh, what, you know, funny. I actually, when I did a search on this, I just searched fat Panthers wide receiver. And it, it comes up here. I guess it was that this is from some website. Kelvin Benjamin is known as a very large man. <laughs> um, but when everybody and he was, I think he was like six five and like two forty. So he's like he was a lot bigger, but still uh, proportionately kind of similar. But like, so back to my point, which was was when a lot of people saw who the selection was going to be, there's a lot of similar response, which was really like that's like that's the route you're going with. And then now when you're coming out of camp, like immediately, like when you start this and you're like, ah, yeah, Asma, like not really off to a great start. It, that's just troubling. Not to say that in f like five years, he's going to be a really good receiver or not. It's just you're off to a troubling start already at the selection. And now here we are, first football stuff. And it's already like, oof. Yeah. Rough start. Uh, he might be a good receiver this year because if you remember one of the controversies or concerns of, was it last season? Jamar Chase couldn't catch the football. Right. In, in fall camp, and we were talking about the makeup of the football versus the college ball. It, it turned right. out okay. he was getting roasted. It turned out okay. Yeah, he was getting absolutely roasted, and people were like, "Well, we got to pick lines on the ball." And yeah, he was he was incredible. He was like the one of the biggest reasons why they made it to the Super Bowl. Raiders attendance today. Uh, these were the guys who were not seen out at practice. Steve Cofield. Oh, we're talking about football Den players. Denzel Good, Kenyon Drake, Josh Jacobs, Devon, uh, Devon Diablo. This is reported by uh, one Good kind man. of media member. Uh, Trayvon Mullen, Deron Harmon, Kenny Young, Jonathan Hawkins, and Bilal Nichols. It turned out that Diablo was out there. He was in a red jersey. I don't know if people have followed very closely with the uh, the regular media that goes out to Raiders camp uh, and Raiders practices. They've changed the vantage point of the media, so you really can't see. So I think this is kind of a dangerous game to report on who's there, who's not. Um, at the press availability, Josh McDaniel said everyone is here. They're just not all on the practice field, and a lot of them are working out inside. So I, I think the the question for the Raiders is, are we going to see Josh Jacobs on the field at all, uh, or is this a wear and tear thing? Because, again, Josh Jacobs was one of the guys who didn't have his fifth-year option picked up, so is there something going on there? To this point, it just looks like it's maintenance, and you know, for a guy who's kind of beat up every year, maybe they're just trying to reduce some wear and tear. I would say that, right? And especially not even just beat up, but like he's just one of those guys where you're just running them between the tackles. And he's a really good running back, but he's a dude that plays behind the shoulder pads really well. Uh, and it hasn't been an efficient type of uh, running game. He's, I think, what, 3.8 yards per carry, somewhere around there for the career. So he's slugging it out. And I think uh, when you're talking about that, and if you're going to run the ball just like the Patriots like to do when Josh McDaniels was there, I think you probably just want to take care of him at this point. What will he do at the battle for Vegas, the big softball game between the Knights and the Raiders? It was announced this morning that it is Team Jacobs that will be taking on Team Riley Smith at LV Ballpark July 18th. It's for multiple charities. You can get your own tickets at battleforvegas.com. I said that like we were giving away tickets right now. We don't know tickets right now. We will in the coming weeks. What happens? Does one Josh Jacobs you know, really bust his hump? Legging out doubles and triples. What do you do if you're, if you're not out there on the football field? The competitive juices start flowing. You know, you have a chance to make a diving catch in the gap. What does Jacobs do? I feel like you don't. I mean, I mean, in any in contract, if we're taking this seriously, like in any situation that he's in, I yeah. feel like you're not putting that much effort into it. I feel, like, anything. I feel like the Raiders sign a super fast receiver and Jacobs has a designated runner at the game.
<laughs> right. all his job. <laughs> I ain't running. Yeah, yeah. Pinch runner. You guys go. But I will have the designated runner ready to go. Uh, PFT's Miles Simmons, NFL Insider. On the way as we'll talk about Aaron Donald and the contract extension. And, man, I thought people went kind of gaga the last couple of days. Like, Aaron Donald is back. He didn't go anywhere, but a lot of people are proclaiming with Donald being there for this year and beyond now that he's happy with the extension. The Rams are the favorite coming up this year to defend their title successfully. Join the conversation on Twitter at ESPN Las Vegas. I had them winning the NFC anyway. To me, that puts them over the edge. They're going to win the Super Bowl. Cofield and Company NFL Insider Miles Simmons from Pro Football Talk joins us now. Okay, I agree with uh, Big Roos, Diana Rossini, that we're all psyched to have Aaron Donald back, but he wasn't gone, so I don't know how it puts them over the top. Miles Simmons is with us, TV Insider, NFL Insider, Pro Football Talk. Was there any percentage uh, percentage of you that believe that Aaron Donald wasn't returning for this season well I mean I, to start with what Rossini said I mean with all due respect like I don't really understand what she's talking about either like what what do you mean this puts them over the top if the Rams are gonna go to the postseason it's gonna be because Aaron Donald is on their defense right and like that's the kind of difference that he makes he's like the Rams are good and they would be good without him, especially in a, in a weaker NFC. But like, they're only going to be like, if you're thinking like, Oh my gosh, well the Rams are going to be this because they, even if, without Aaron Donald, like, what were you thinking? Like, I don't, I don't really understand that. But to, to answer your question, I guess, which no, I don't quite remember. What was the question that, that hit like that really like kind of threw me off. Like what were yeah, what yeah. you talking about? Yeah. Did you ever believe that he wasn't oh. going to be back? And I guess the argument, right. maybe we, maybe we didn't include all the cut from Diana Rossini from ESPN. Maybe she was saying a, a super happy Aaron Donald out there. It goes to the next level and puts them over the top. Okay. I don't know. I'm I don't sure. Know, I mean, I, 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 you know, people who um, work with the Rams that I know said Aaron Donald was in a very good mood yesterday for their whole media day because you know they're taking pictures in the uniforms and they're doing all those kinds of things and they were doing it at sofi stadium and they said he was in a very good mood yesterday and i'm like yeah you know no blank sherlock you know you just got you know, 90 more millions i'd be really happy too wouldn't you guys so yeah i mean i to answer the question though uh you know i i didn't really believe that aaron donald wouldn't be back with the rams i mean i'm sure that there was some sort of chance but i mean in my mind it was more 90 10 you know that he would be back um just knowing what i know about him and how he works and you know the dedication that he has to his craft i just i feel like somebody who is still at the peak of what he can do as a professional and knowing how hard he's worked to get there i just i didn't feel like he would be willing to quite give that up and you know he deserves to be the highest paid non-quarterback in the NFL, right? I mean, we saw him make so much of a difference in the Super Bowl. And so that's why he's going to get paid the way he's going to get paid. So I, you know, I never really thought that he wasn't coming back. But yeah, I guess now this is the thing that puts them over the top. Puts them over the top. But, but she also noted that they were already her pick to win the NFC. So I don't, I don't really understand yeah, it either. Um, it. <laughs> so uh, let me ask you this, because this is making the rounds up on social media today. Pro Football Focus uh, lists and ranks their top 10 head coaches going into uh, this season. Uh, the top 10 in this order, Belichick, Harbaugh, Andy Reid, Cliff Kingsbury, Pete Carroll, Matt LaFleur, Kyle Shanahan, Mike Vrabel, Frank Reich, and Mike McCarthy. Uh, it uh, is an interesting list, but we'll keep, 
We'll keep the Rams angle first. And I actually kind of might be on this side, but what do you think? Uh, Sean McVay, not a top 10 head coach in the NFL? Did, did they confuse Cliff Kingsbury with Sean McVay? I mean, like, that's the only explanation I've got. And, and where's Mike Tomlin? Like, that that list doesn't make sense beyond the top three. I, mean, I, I don't understand what in the world Cliff Kingsbury has done to be a top 10 head coach, let alone somebody that's in the top five. I, I don't I, – I, I can't understand. He's been to the playoffs once, and they lost that game, and they weren't even competitive. I just I haven't seen the criteria criteria of what they were using. Like, do you say, want it? Yeah, what's it? Yeah, yeah, I would. Yeah, what is it? They were ranking NFL head coaches from, of course, an analytics perspective. Um, what, under this idea, what analytic is, is in what? Sorry, go ahead. Uh, based on win total estimations with an average roster is a very basic way to put it. What? <laughs> Nerds! I don't They're ruining everything. That- that doesn't make any sense. But like, so then again, where is Mike Tomlin? Because Mike Tomlin's never had a losing season. So are they just saying that, you know, because like that roster last year, are we really saying that Ben Roethlisberger was all that great of a QB? They had no business being in the playoffs, mm-hmm. right? but they were, they still were competitive every single week. They had an, a winning season again, because they don't have losing seasons with Mike Tomlin in Pittsburgh. I don't understand how that could possibly have Cliff Kingsbury at number four. Like, are they saying that those rosters have been completely average and like he's overperformed? Because if you look at what they did last year in the Cardinals, like they were really good. They should have won the NFC West and then they lulued all over themselves, lost to Detroit at home, excuse me, on the road. But it doesn't matter. It doesn't matter. I mean, like, I don't, I don't understand that. I, that list doesn't make any sense to me. John, I will. I'll explain your world of analytics and especially gamblers. Oh, don't put this on me. I, I, I like <laughs> analytics and data as much as the next ex- guy, but I read the article and I was like, okay, like this is I'll, this is one of those I'll things where smart smile. people had like a really good idea and yeah. they were just like, let's do this. Let's write about it. And like, you know, sometimes the three yeah. level model that you're discussing, we don't really need to do it. But Miles, there are a lot of betters and analytics people that don't believe McVeigh is actually a good coach from an analytics standpoint. Okay, well, Sean McVay has a Lombardi trophy and a Super Bowl ring. What do they have? Well, so does my – here's the thing. If it's all analytics, then how is Mike McCarthy on the list at number 10? I mean, there, right. there are coaches who have won Super Bowls who, by the analytics and game management, there are, you know, the nerds who don't think they're great coaches. They don't think they're above average. And I just quick, don't – again, I just don't see how Cliff Kingsbury is that great of a head coach. Like – what has Cliff Kingsbury done that makes the analytics people think he's so great? I, I don't get it. Can I add, Miles, really quick? Because I think Steve is being somewhat disingenuous. Because I, I think the, the criticism I'm of McVay, uh, it's not that he's not a top 10 coach. And, and maybe you would di- agree with this or disagree. He he has statistically been a pretty poor coach when it comes to timeout usage, when it comes to oh, yes. management, when it comes to challenges. Okay. Like, so, well, right. But you're, you're framing it as, Steve, that makes him not a top 10 coach. He could be a top 10 coach in terms of offensive scheme and all of that stuff and still be one of the worst coaches in terms of game management. Okay, right? but then why is Andy Reid, like, so high on Oh, trust me. This is not a defense of the list. I, I'm just more <laughs> defending the point that Steve was making that the analytics nerds hate Sean McVay. I think it's yeah. a fair criticism that he's not a good game manager. 
Well, I mean, it is because, you know, I text my friends all the time that, you know, oh my gosh, Sean McVay's burned another time out, right? Like, that's just something that he does. And we all know it. I think he knows it. It's something that he's acknowledged that he needs to get better at. And But again, you know, when you've won a Lombardi trophy, it makes um, those corrections, you know, a little easier to stomach. Um, but yeah, I like I said, I just don't... I mean, I... I think Sean McVay is a great head coach. I was there with the Rams. I saw them move from St. Louis to Los Angeles. I was there for the disaster that was the 2016 season. Jared Goff looked like a bust. And then Sean McVay comes in. They revitalize the running game with Todd Gurley. And boom, things take off. And they end up in the Super Bowl in his second year. So, I mean, we can have the discussion, you know, until we're blue in the face about whether or not Sean McVay is good at analytics or not. But he's produced results. The Rams have not had a run this good in terms of like non-losing seasons and, you know, excuse me, winning seasons and, you know, finishing above 500 and division titles and making it to Super Bowls and things like that since the 70s, right? Even when they had that greatest show on turf run, they had a 500 season. They had a losing season, I think, in there at one point. So it wasn't just all these runs that they continue, that uh, one continuous run that they went on. So like, I'm just... I don't know. I mean, and I know I'm a McVay stand, so like that is what it is. But again, like he just won the Super Bowl. So like, what do we, hmm. I, I don't get it. Miles Simmons, PFT. Uh, I shouldn't even ask this question because we know what the answer will be. Is McVay a top 10 rapper among NFL coaches? California Love. I think he yeah. did both Tupac and Dr. Dre at his wedding. Uh, yeah, I saw that. I saw that video. I thought that was fantastic, man. That was great. I mean, oh, like I said, I'll always stand Sean McVay, but like that one, <laughs> that made me feel it even more. <laughs> um, a guy I don't think would rap at a because I think I've seen him sing Bon Jovi, uh, but who would not rap at a wedding would be Bill Belichick. I mean, I saw the tweet today about the question: Is he installing a new offensive system? What did Belichick say? I don't know. I don't know. That's <laughs> it. I don't know. And I think your response was like, "Why are you like this?" Yeah, and it's like because you know what the answer is, you just don't want to say like. I, I would rather him just be like, I don't want to get into it. Like, because, like, that's what the answer is. It's not, I don't know. Like, why are you being such a jerk? Like, why are you saying that? Because I think he's entertained by it, frankly. And it's like when you go on a bad date and you're just like, I'm just going to start making stuff up. Because, like, whatever. I know I'm not going to see this person again. Like, that's kind of how it feels to me, like, when Bill Belichick is in press conferences sometimes. He's like, I know the answers, but I'm just going to be intentionally obstinate. And it is what it is. So, hmm. Too bad. And like, you don't need to do that. Like, you can just say, like I said, you can just say, I don't, I don't want to get into it. I don't want to get into it. You know, we don't play until September. And like, that's all you have to say. And it's a more honest answer than I don't know. Like, get out of here. Yes, you do. Could, could I make the argument potentially that he actually doesn't know that he's going a bit senile, he's getting long of the tooth, and maybe he actually <laughs> does not know. I, you know what? Listen, I, I keep saying that Bill Belichick has earned the benefit of the doubt. But why your Matt Patricia might be calling offensive plays, like that does make me kind. Of, that gives me pause. Like, it maybe just that's does, it, man. Maybe, like I mean, maybe he's in meetings with Patricia and he's like, I don't know what this guy's doing. Like we, we could, we could <laughs> I, be what, installing a new I'm gonna, system. I'm going with John. I'm going with John here on the senile thing. Does Belichick think Patricia is Charlie Weiss? <laughs> oh no! Patri Patricia's like Patricia's telling everyone. He's like he keeps calling me Charlie. I don't get it. He thinks you're well, Charlie Weiss. And he also hired Joe Judge to be the quarterbacks coach, which, my gosh, like, what's going on? I mean, I get, you know, Josh McDaniels took a lot of the offensive staff. So, you know, a lot yeah. of that's in Las Vegas with the Raiders. So, 
congrats to you guys, I guess. You took the Patriots' offensive scheme. And so now Belichick really doesn't know because his offense is in Las Vegas. <laughs> Miles Simmons with us. He's a star on Peacock. I do believe they need to do a spinoff and let Miles start talking about movies and TV. So we're going to do it here. We're going to – it's going to okay. be his audition for the next uh, couple of months here so he can put it in front of Florio. First of all, um, Apple apparently is interested in doing a Formula One movie, and I think you're intrigued by the fact that the film is going to be directed by the uh, Top Gun Maverick filmmaker. Yeah, I think, A, I mean, that's going to be awesome. And B, I mean, it's got Brad Pitt. I mean, come on. Like, I don't know what role they're going to have for Brad Pitt. I was talking to some buddies, and they were thinking that Brad Pitt could be Toto Wolf, the team manager for Mercedes. And I was like, oh, well, I mean, you get Leo to play Christian Horner, you know, the team manager for Red Bull. And, like, we got a really good cast going. John Malkovich could be um, the team manager for Haas. And like we we can figure out what this cast can be and make it a really interesting movie. Another question along these lines from TV. You tweeted out, Miles, what is the best background TV show to have on while working from home? And you also threw on there, why is it <laughs> Love It or Listed, which, boy, oh, boy, I, that's not one of my shows. But um, what, el what else is a candidate? What else uh, is a candidate as a background TV show? I think most sports guys would say, got to have on sports all day. Well, what sport? I mean, there's not much sports on. I mean, if, you know, well, the great thing about being out on the West Coast and then, you know, Fridays, right? Like we we're talking about F1, you know, they got the race coming up this weekend. So we'll have uh, the practices that come on really early. I can turn that on and like have that in the background. But like what? There's no sports going on oh. early in the morning and during the afternoon, at least that I am that interested John? in. I mean, there's some Miles, baseball. Um, John, you want to answer this one? Oh boy. I have, I have a, uh, my co-host at my main gig. Um, uh, Matt Humans uh, is a special breed. He knows Matt Humans. Uh, yeah. He knows Matt Humans. Um, he, um, he has watched that Sunday night game between the chargers and the Raiders by his own account seven times. Um, <laughs> so I mean, right. That's what I say. I uh, but that's his background thing. Like, that's what he does is like he'll put on NFL Network and when they play the replays or whatever it is, or he's got it recorded on like TiVo or whatever. He's got it like and he'll just put it on. See, but my problem is like I'm I'm trying to write stuff. And if I've got a game on in the background, especially if it's a if it's a football game, I want to watch the football game. Like, I want to see what's going on. So like I can watch Love It or List It or House Hunters or Restaurant Impossible or even Law and Order sometimes. And then, you know, I'll look up a little bit and they're like, oh, okay, that's interesting. Like, oh, I like that kitchen. And then I'll go right back to what I'm writing. And that's why it is such good background noise. Mine's American Dad. Okay. Okay. All right. All right. I would have uh, Euphoria on in the background, but that could be distracting. I don't know if you saw it. The MTV Awards are out. Best fight on TV apparently was Cassie and Maddie from Euphoria. Yeah, did kind we of even really see that fight? I know. Mean, like, it wasn't a really good fight. Just kind of like Cassie just kind of got like thrown into a wall. Spoiler alert, I guess, if you oh, haven't she seen got it by Cassie now. Got, Cassie got destroyed. Yeah, well, I mean, she kind of deserved it in some way. Oh! Not that, not necessarily to that extent, but she deserves something from Maddie. Completely probably. disagree. I think, wow. Maddie I think Maddie was the bad guy. Wow. No, I, I don't know. know about all that. Controversial. I don't know about this. Um, I'm going to text my wife and see if Maddie was the bad guy. She'll give me an answer. Okay. Okay, good. Uh, best show, this may be an issue. The nominees for MTV Awards Best Show 2022 was Euphoria, Inventing Anna, Loki, Squid Game, Ted Lasso, and Yellowstone. I, I mean, like, I really like Euphoria. Should that have been the winner? 
Out of those, maybe. I mean, I've heard really good things about Yellowstone. I've never seen it myself. I didn't love this season of Ted Lasso. I also didn't love the season of Euphoria, especially compared to the first season. Like, mm-hmm. I mean, the first season blows the second season out of the water. But Squid there game? were... Squid Game? I couldn't get past the first episode of Squid Game. What? I know. I. Oh, my you know, God. You have to get... You got to give it another chance. Come on. I guess I do, but I just... I, could, I couldn't do it. I, for, a, for whatever reason, I wasn't in the right frame of mind. And I'm just like, ah, this is... A, that happens. Eh. Was it the happen. reading? Because sometimes, it, like, I, I'll, I'll watch a lot of like subtitle stuff because uh, I'm an anime nerd. But sometimes the reading yeah. kind of gets me out. Yeah, the re- it was partially the reading because I don't want to do it with dubs because the dub just it looks too right. weird for me. I can't I can't do it. So it's the same reason why I haven't um, watched Money Heist yet because I've heard such good things about that and I really want to watch it. And I'm just like, man, I gotta I gotta be in the right frame of mind to do the subtitle. So maybe that was part of it, but I don't know. I was just like, oh wow, okay, that's that's really what we're doing. Miles, you're awesome. We appreciate it. Your Twitter account is hilarious of late. It's hilarious all the time. At Mile, Miles A. Simmons. And, of course, check out Pro Football Talk. That helps him actually make money. Miles, great spot, man. Thank you. Yes, thank is. you very much. I just also want to say that Olivia Rodrigo's documentary, Winning Over Get Back, is a joke. Ooh, okay. All right, I have to delve into the uh, the awards list. There may Steve be some more anger for the rest of the week. Thanks, mm-hmm. Miles. Yeah, see you guys. Steve, right. I have a... Um, uh, yes. Did you get an answer already about who's the bad I, guy, Cassie or Maddie? It wasn't a direct response, but I feel like the response is an answer. I asked, who was in the right in the Maddie fight in Euphoria? Isabel's response was, do you mean Maddie versus that no-life basic big booby B-word? Cofield and company will be back in minutes right here on ESPN Las Vegas. You're live with the Fat Pack on Cofield and company. I don't care if the sun don't shine. I do my drinking in the evening time when I'm in Las Vegas. Giveaway time show on June 17th, MGM Grand Garden Arena, 364-1100, Caller 7, Not Fest Roadshow, Slipknot, and Cypress Hill. Slipknot and Cypress Hill, AXS.com is where you can get the tickets. We've got a pair right now. June 17th show, that's a Friday, MGM Grand Garden Arena, 364-1100. We're about 10 minutes away from talking to our Tuesday Gambling Insider, Sam Paniatovich will point us in the right direction on the NBA Finals and also probably rub some salt in the wound of Angels fan. John Von Tobel, who is the company today, John sent over an interesting point, which also proves how young we are as a city. Um, the oldest freestanding bar in town turned 70. 70. Yeah. I had no which, idea. Which, which is really old for Las Vegas because everything gets uh, demolished and rebuilt. Yep. Uh, like. Atom- Atomic Liquors turned 70 this year. And um, they're going to have like some festivities you know, a couple of days from now. I think it's like June 17th to the 19th. Um, I'm going to try to make it down because I like that place. And uh, it's a pretty cool spot. But I had no idea in all my times going down there that it was that old. Like no idea. I actually didn't think it was old. Like I just thought it was oh, just really? like, you know, that part of no, like I just—I figured it was just like that part of downtown. You know, downtown has been like, like revitalized. We see all these shops popping up and new places. Just thought it was one of those. Didn't realize that it had like that history. Yeah, that's always a question I think with old bars if they should renovate, and how much of their uniqueness do they lose if they renovate? Like, how do you want your old bar to smell like mildew and be a little bit dangerous? <laughs> with like a super low hanging ceiling and you you feel like you're you're crunched in but you know there's a lot of history there uh, because it smells like it has history 
Yeah, I mean, it's also a majority of it's outside. You know, you can hang out outside. They have a nice patio there. Yeah, they got a great patio. So I will be celebrating the 70th birthday of Atomic. Okay. Well, we do need, and there's no way to get them back, but we do. I think our local bar scene does need more places like that. Unfortunately, a lot have you know gone out of business or been purchased by other places. So that is one thing I would say that I miss about growing up in the Northeast is that there's a lot of old stuff. Yeah. Lots of old stuff. Lots of old bars. So. I mean, there's a lot of old stuff downtown, but like you said, it's been changed and renovated and shifted around. So, so happy 70th birthday. Coming up, Sam Peniatovich is going to uh, step in, and we'll get some uh, gambling advice also on what could be the Stanley Cup final. want to remind you, too, though, ESPN Las Vegas, the home of Aces basketball, the home games all season with the play-by-play. Uh, their next game actually is on the road, and we've got an Aces viewing party at Parkway Tavern the Parkway Tavern in the district that's coming up on Saturday. It's a game against the Sparks, which, by the way, we'll have to address the Sparks later on. Uh-oh, mm-hmm. this Cambage, the coach got fired. Uh, well, she's not the coach, but maybe she wants to be. But uh, Derek Fisher is out. But anyway, uh, viewing party, 6 o'clock start. Uh, on-air host, Damon, will be hosting that one. That's uh, Saturday, June 11th. Uh, they're on the road again next week at the Wings on the 15th. And then they're back home, 3 o'clock start. That's a Sunday tilt on the 19th, but we're going to have a bunch of road viewing parties for the Aces. The next one is up this coming Saturday, 6 o'clock, game at L.A. with Damon at the Parkway Tavern in the district. Join the conversation on Twitter at ESPN Las Vegas. It's Cofield and Company's Eye on Sports Betting with Sammy P. Sammy P. Sam Panyanovich is with us, gambling expert from Nesson, the home of uh, multiple, I think, future award-winning shows on sports gambling. John Von Toll was with us here. This is a special time of the week when you get JVT and Sammy P together. Sam, how you doing, buddy? Doing great, pal. I'm looking at my itinerary for June 25th. I'm setting a new personal record for time spent in Vegas in one trip. I don't even get what's happening. Why are you, You're coming into town, but it's for a very short amount of time. Well, I got to see a guy about a thing. Got to pick up some money about that wow. Uh, wow. that Braves. Well, that Braves ticket that I cashed and then yeah. lost. I was back for the Super Bowl and I brought it into the uh, Sahara, the old Sahara. I think it's called the SLS now. And I brought in the paperwork and all that. Filled it out. They're like, "All right, cool. Like we found the ticket. It's definitely yours. Come back in four months." So, oh. I said, so I'm like, "Okay." Um, like I can't get a little bit of it and it's a nice ticket. I think it's like yeah. uh collect 6,000 or something on Atlanta. Woo. Nice. And nice. I've, you know, I came to get it at the Super Bowl, and they said, well, you have to come back in four months. So this is my trip. I'm going to be halfway there. I'll be in Chicago Friday, fly to Vegas on Saturday, land at two 45 local PM and then fly out at 1233 in the morning. Nice. You should explain to people if people don't know what you're talking about right now, not the bet but that you can lose your ticket and still claim your money. Every ticket I place now at a legal sports book, I take a picture of it. Okay. So you get all the numbers that are necessary and you have the ticket number, you have the location, the date and the time. And this allows gaming at whatever casino to literally check the cameras and see if it's, you know, you that placed the bet and, they're able to track down the ticket number. And what they do is they pop in your number, say it's 
P58246, they pop that in, and if nobody has claimed it or that ticket hasn't been paid out yet and everything else lines up on the timeline, yeah, you will get paid. Um, well, I guess I shouldn't say that. I haven't been paid yet, but that's the process. Sam Paniotovich is with us. All right, let's talk gambling philosophy because John and I got into this yesterday, and I want you in on this one. Um, and the discussion really is, is this more about uh, data when you're betting? I guess, as John put it, situ uh, situational or statistical handicapping and i wanted to bring up the angels and the fact that they fired joe madden they've lost 12 straight there is a belief that teams i mean coken was saying yesterday hey he jumped on the phillies because girardi's mm -hmm. gone there's going to be a bump so how do you look at what the angels just did here and hey they've lost 12 straight do you get in front of the train because now they have a new manager what do you do i don't get in front of trains one way or the other if a team is one 11 baseball games in a row, I'm not going to bet against them. I'm also not going to bet on a team that's lost 12 in a row. Um, that being said, I mean, Garrett Whitlock has not been a very good pitcher as far as making you money this year. If those who don't know, um, Whitlock is a guy who was in the Red Sox bullpen last year, and they have sort of stretched him out and converted him into a starter right now. But the Sox are 4-4 four and four when he starts, and he's usually a favorite. So he's not exactly making you, you know, bags of cash. And, and the other thing with Whitlock is that he doesn't really go deep in games. I mean, the two longest starts are his last two, six innings against Cincinnati, six innings against Baltimore. Those two teams stink. He's gone three innings, five innings, three innings, five innings, four innings, three innings. So he doesn't go deep in games, and that's part of the plan. So it's not like this is a guy that's going to go seven, eight innings and completely shut them down. The Angels will get into this Red Sox bullpen probably in the fifth or sixth inning. So if that makes you feel any better, then by all means, go for it. And and as you know, and JBT knows this too, when a manager gets fired, people just bet the other side. Like mm -hmm. like they'll they'll bet they'll bet the opposite of the results. So if manager gets fired, they're going to bet on that team. And it's happening with Philly right now. They've won four in a row. I was looking at the market. Boston was minus one thirty five when the news came out and now you see 125 123 122 so there's been some apple bites on the angels that's for sure right, and also this is an angels team that i think going back over the record sam like when we're talking about this from a statistical standpoint too uh they have closed with a plus sign next to their number at home just twice this season so now you're talking about the market kind of uh, getting a little i wouldn't say ahead of itself but now definitely flipping in the other direction right when you're talking about maybe some money line value on a team that has been priced very high at home in past years and in this year for sure i mean we could always look at numbers and we can shape them to our argument you know that i think that's the big thing with these content creators i, I hate most of them on twitter it's like well this has happened in seven of the last eight times and like yeah well the books know that, moron. Like, it's, it's all part of the equation. Let me counter your stat with another stat. As an underdog, the Angels are 3-12 and 12 on the money line. So 15 games, they've lost 12 as a dog. That's not the largest sample size in the world. But, look, I, I'm not in a hurry to run to the window about the Red Sox minus 130 on the road. That's for sure. I, I'm not going to get involved in the game. Um, I'll tell you what, though, JVT, I know you're an Angels fan. That team has way too much freaking talent to lose 12 baseball games in a row. All I'm hearing is that the Angels are due. So uh, well, I'm, I'm looking forward to them snapping it tonight. Uh, so let me ask you, I'll build off of this, and it ties into the NBA Finals. The reason why I was asking Steve that question, and we'll bring it to basketball, like, so go back to game two, Sam, right? 
So I'm, I'm very much into like the numbers and whatnot. I have my numbers that I make in basketball. And if there's value, according to my numbers, I will bet it. And so for game two, I scoffed at, oh, come on, like the Warriors are up to five because why? Because it's the situation, because they're desperate, because their backs are against the wall. So how do you handicap stuff like that? Because to your point, I won't be as mean, uh, but those things are baked into a number. And so when you talk about a Warriors team who closed three and a half in game one and opens up four and a half in game two, you as a better are not getting any discount because you theorizing that they are desperate is already baked into that number. But we know that that has been a trend that has cashed at a very high rate. Am I the moron for looking at this simply and going, you're, st- you're stupid for laying a point and a half more. I'll take the value here. And then I get smacked in the face by 20. It's a very good question. You know, I don't know that I can answer that based off of one result. I think generally speaking, you know, I look at the market more than I look at trends. And when a team gets, you know, smacked around to use your, you know, language, I guess, to say that they were a three, three and a half point favorite on the open close four in game one and lose by double digits. And then, you know, the market is pushing it up. Like I, I put a lot of truth in, in the money because that's not all public money. There was definitely some professional money when the Warriors, even though they're down, you know, 15 points at the end of game one, the books in Vegas are hanging Golden State four, which is pretty telling, like to hang a team an even bigger favorite than they were in the game they just got drilled in. So, you know, they laid four, they laid four and a half, got to five. I, I, now I wouldn't be laying five, that's for sure. Um, but this has been a very weird series and I'm still through two games, I'm torn on who's winning this NBA finals. I still think the Boston Celtics are a better team. They have more depth. When the ball moves, they're dangerous. When the ball doesn't move, they're not as dangerous. And we saw that at the end of the third quarter, you know, in game two, when Tatum and Brown have combined for almost 40 shots, Marcus Smart has taken like five. Al Horford's taken one or two. When they play hero ball or Kobe ball, as Jason Tatum likes to talk about Kobe all the time, when they play Kobe ball, they they don't win most of the time. So – it's really it's a frustrating team to watch, and I've been covering this team for a couple of years out here in Boston. Yes, they finished strong, twenty five or twenty six and six down the stretch. But the problem with Boston early in the season was that they stopped sharing the sugar, and it was my turn, my turn, my turn. And we saw a lot of that in game number two. We didn't see much of it in game one. They got away from it in game two, and I think a lot of that has to do with them being frustrated by the officiating, by Draymond Green, all that stuff. It all plays into it, but this happens when you have a young basketball team that's never been to the finals together. What do you make of the varying series prices? Uh, we have some shops at pick. We have some shops, Warriors minus 115, others, Celtics minus 115. Uh, the number itself, like if you look at the price for game three and what it's likely to be in game four and how it would project forward, uh, the true series price should be more like Boston minus 120. But like you said, it seems pretty weird in terms of the way this series has played out. But do you think there is value in betting Boston at a small underdog price given the way this series is laying out going forward? Well, I'll say this. I mean, if, if, it, if it were up to me and I had to make one of two wagers, Boston to win the series or Boston to win game three, it's, it's the Celtics to win the series. You know what I'm saying? Like, it's funny because to win game three, they're minus 160. But I can get them essentially at a coin flip. I can lay minus 110 going into game three where they're a three and a half point favorite or so. Why would I lay 160 on the money line when I can lay 110 on them to win this game? And I do think they're in a good situational spot. They've been extremely resilient after losses. They've been awesome bouncing back. They've been very good at home when they're in this role. Um I think the move to make if you're looking to bet Boston, you know, I don't want you to lay 160 on the money line for game three. I'd much rather you lay 
minus 105 or, or take plus 100 or whatever you can get on them to win the series because that's it's really the same bet, JVT. Like if, if you're betting game three or you're betting the series, you believe in the, the Celtics to, to stand up tall here. But I don't want you to lay 160 because I don't want you to lay 60 when you could lay 10 or take 100 on essentially the same result. And then at that point, you can have Boston in your pocket at plus 100. They win game three. Guess what? Now they're minus 200 with game four at home. So then you could take some Golden State back at plus 170 if you want. I know a guy who came into the series, man. He took Boston at plus 130 before game one. They win game one. He takes the Warriors plus 150. He's free rolling right now. He's got both teams at plus money. So I was uh, perusing through Twitter, and I did see a great video up on Ness and Bets about the finals <laughs> MVP market. Um, what, yeah. what do you make of the finals MVP market? I think it's clear what the books are doing to the customers here. They would never tell you this, but when they put – Steph Curry, Jason Tatum, around the vicinity of plus 110, plus 115 or so, maybe a little bit higher on Tatum, on Tatum, excuse me. And then Jalen Brown at nine to one. And then the next guy on the board is Marcus Smart at 70 to one. It's pretty, it's pretty clear what the books are saying without saying it's one of three people that can win this award. And look, I have, I have a little uh, skin on Marcus Smart at 70 to one before the series. I don't think he's winning the MVP. I heard some people talking about Wiggins and Clay and all that, but what the books are doing now is they're just dangling big carrots on uh, players that haven't performed. So the math tells you that the probability is very real that it's either Curry or Tatum, nobody else. And if there is a sleeper at this point through two games, it's Jalen Brown. Um, so I don't have a sleeper for you. I, I really like Smart coming in. But him scoring two points in game two, is it going to help his his voting status going forward? I mean, the, the one guy that baffles me, though, like the number is so high right now at FanDuel. Clay Thompson is 200 to one. That like that's almost a slap in the face. Like I, I almost want to bet that even though it's not going to happen. Dude, he was like 15 or 20 to one before the series. He's 200 to one right now. The books are willing to write anybody away over Jalen. Anybody under Jalen Brown on that board? They are daring you to bet them because they don't believe in them. Uh, I love Clay Thompson, but I'll say real quick, Steve, uh, he has stunk in this series. And yes. I think coming into it, he is deserved. He, I thought he should have been like 50 to 1 to win the MVP, but that was just. Last uh, 45 seconds or so with Sam Paniotovich. We got another game coming up in the uh, Tampa and Rangers series. Tampa tonight is minus 180. As we look ahead to the Stanley Cup final, my God, the Avs are a pretty heavy favorite in either matchup. Minus 315, I saw Jeff Davis post at Circa. Now, that's if they face the Rangers. If they face the Lightning, we're talking about minus 195. Look, the Avalanche are good, but this team is now all of a sudden being taxed like the 90s Red Wings of the 2010 Blackhawks era You know, contenders. I, I don't think you should be laying 315 on the Avalanche if they play the Rangers, but that's the perception now. They just swept away the Oilers and sent Connor McDavid home. So that's the price you pay when a team goes into the final with all that momentum and now all that rest, too, because they're going to be hanging out for a while while these two Eastern teams duke it out. Here we go. Future bet on the Rangers. Future bet on the Rangers. I'm in. I'm in. And we'll bet the Patriots under. We'll talk about that next week, though. Yeah, okay? we'll talk about fading their wins. Uh, Sam, but we Matt appreciate Jones it. isn't fat anymore. No, he, he, is, he is in shape. Thanks, Sam. <laughs> Peace. Yeah, I got laughed at yesterday, uh, JVT, because I brought it up to Adam Hill. I was like, all right, this offensive coordinator thing is just getting stupid. Um, I'm ready to bet the under the eight and a half on the Patriots. And, uh, yeah, I just got chuckled at. Like, uh, I, I should not be fading a win total based on the fact that Belichick is being a weenie and won't tell us who is running the offense. 
I mean, I think we proved earlier that he's going senile and he actually just has no idea what's going on with his own team. So I'd bet under. <laughs> it's over, over minus 120, over eight and a half, minus 120, under even money. Five o'clock hours on the way. JVT continues as the company will get some basketball analysis from a former college basketball player in uh, Cole Huff on both the NBA and the WNBA.